Again Jesus said, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And with that he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive anyone's sins, they are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they're not forgiven. Lord Jesus, come and help us to hear you and see even more clearly that your resurrection changes in Jesus' name. Amen. I know that we are small in number today. Um, it's bank holiday weekend. It's hot. Um, but it's great to have you here. Uh, so thank you for coming. And um, I would like just to unpick three things um, from that passage. Um, so bear with me um, while I try and... Um, help you grasp three things that I think are really important in terms of what Jesus has done. The first one is about fear. Jesus' disciples were uh, locked away for fear of the Jewish leaders. Um, And with each of these, um, I am going to, if I can do this without breaking my back, Uh, I'm going to scribe for you, just in terms of trying to help make it make sense. Uh, So this first one, uh, can I spell? It's always a challenge when when the dyslexic vicar uh, does things with words, um, but we'll try. I think I should, it's only four letters. So, but you know, there you go. So there's the first one, that says fear. They were, they were locked away because they were afraid. They were afraid of what was going to happen to them because of all the things that they had seen going on. But, you know, we experience fear in so many other different ways. And if you look at the narrative of Scripture, right there at the start is a, is a much more simple version of fear. It's the fear of missing out. Adam and Eve are in the garden and, uh, and God says to them, look, you don't, don't do this. Don't do this one thing. You can do anything, but don't do this one thing. And the serpent comes along and says, no, no, no. did God really say that? And, and they're kind of, their ideas are, you know, well, Eve first and then, and then Adam, uh, they both fall in the end, so it doesn't matter what order. Um, but they have this fear that, that, hang on, God's kept something from us and we want that. They've got this fear of missing out. The fear that we have can be all sorts of things. Fear of missing out, fear of what people will think of us, fear about posting something online because of the comments that you'll get, fear about standing up for your faith, fear about all sorts of things. And fear gets in the way. And Jesus comes and he stands right in the midst of them, among them. And to their fear, he says, peace be with you. Peace be with you. In fact, because they don't get it the first time, even though it says that they're overjoyed to see him, he has to say it again. Peace be with you. Because they're afraid. The second thing is this, and all three of these are in the passage, and this little bit is right at the end in terms of the forgiveness bit. Um, The second one is... uh, 
this point that you kind of regret buying such heavy paving slabs. Uh, this next one is uh, sin, uh, which leads to death. Oh, look, the, the dyslexic's taken over. I've gone from big, big capitals to little letters. Okay? Uh, sin, that leads to death. That's our middle one. You see, we're so familiar with the story that we forget just how powerful it is, just how significant it is for what God has done. But we are in this uh, hot soup of a world that is changing faster and faster. And folks either want to kind of proclaim that God's a killjoy and so you better not believe in him, or that he's just got such wide open arms that anything goes and it doesn't matter and he's not really worried about sin anymore. You know, he was worried enough about sin to send his son Jesus to die on the cross, so I think it probably still matters. Um, the thing about sin is that it leads to death. If you do this, it says in Genesis, you will die. But the problem is they don't die straight away. So we think, you know, oh, we're getting off lightly. It's going to be fine. I can do what I like because it's not really going to result in death. But the narrative in the, in the whole of Scripture is really clear. Is that If you do these things, it leads to death. The first death is that you get cut off from God. And that's what happens in the Garden of Eden. And if you, if you want to kind of uh, a slightly different angle, go and look at 1 Samuel 16, uh, verse 1, where... Samuel is mourning the death of Saul. The only problem is is that Saul is still alive. But he's mourning the death of Saul. Why? Because basically Saul is dead. Because he stopped doing the things that the Father God wants him to do. So in Samuel's eyes, he's dead, he's dead, and God says to Samuel, why are you still mourning him? Basically, go and get on with your life, it's all over for Saul. And Jesus is really clear. He says, I have come that you might have life and have it to the full. So when we believe in Jesus, we move from death to life. Death is the thing that happened as a result of the sin. And Jesus deals with the sin, he deals with the death, and he brings us back to life. But the bit that's connected into that is that if we are people that are forgiven, then we are to be forgiving people. If we're people that have been forgiven, we're supposed to be the ones that model forgiveness. You know, we've seen two... Uh, horrendous illustrations of this this week. You know, one, the power of the cross, that picture in Notre Dame of the cross glowing while the embers were still falling. In the darkness of that cathedral, the cross in Notre Dame is still there. You know, you can't wipe the cross off the face of the earth. But also... We've seen it this morning in the horrific attacks in Sri Lanka. 
with over 200 people killed in attacks on churches and hotels. But our faith, our faith is one that is founded on someone who went willingly to a cross, who went willingly to be killed, and at that point said, Father, forgive. So what should our response be to those things? It should be to forgive, to model a different way. Jesus calls his followers to be people of forgiveness. And the last one is, you know, the result of all of these different things. What they do is they lead us to be alone. Shut off from God. Shut off from other people. You know what happens in the garden the moment Adam and Eve have gone away from their father God? They get shut off from one another. They literally have to hide away from one another. They have to hide away from God. Whenever we sin, it leads us to being alone and shut off from others and shut off from God. And if you've ever hurt someone else in a relationship, you know that all you want to do is be in the other room with them, but something's got in the way. And you're alone. Something's been messed up. Something has got in the way. You see, the shame of sin as well causes us causes us to hide out, to be by ourselves. The lie is that it's only us, that if the world were to know what we were involved in. But God comes and he stands in the middle of that room when they are afraid, when they're caught up in sin. And he says, peace. He says, forgive. And, he says, receive the Holy Spirit. You know, God doesn't intend for us to be alone. What he intends is for us to be his dwelling place. For the Holy Spirit to come and live in us that we make a difference in the world. So I, I wanted to try and to be able to explain to you just how much this changes everything. Um, and so I thought we might use these stones to do it. You see, we talk so often, so regularly about Jesus having uh, been the turning point in history and Jesus having done it all and he's been raised from the dead and isn't that great because there's this amazing victory. But we're still caught up in the things that we do, in the things that we think. We're still caught up in the fear. We're still caught up in sin and that leads us to being in a place of death, even though that is not our identity. 
We get robbed of it and we go and stand back in it. And that just causes us to be alone and separate from other people. But the reality is this. That the cross is absolutely final. I mean, really final. So that where you are in a place of fear, Jesus comes and he says, peace be with you. Where you're in a place of being caught up in sin, Jesus declares over you that his cross really has defeated sin and death. And that where we feel alone, because we've been caught up in sin or because we've just caught up in the shame of it, Jesus comes right and stands in the midst of us and he says, receive afresh the Holy Spirit. You do not have to be alone anymore. Done it. And what we now have is a choice. We can live in the context of the rubble or we can do what he's told us to do and declare his rule and reign, his victory, his resurrection power over everything that would rob us of life. And that's what we're going to do now. You know, next time you get caught up in sin, just remember the choice that you have. You can either scurry around in the dirt and the rubble which Jesus has defeated once and for all. Or you can live in the freedom, the joy, the victory of his resurrection power. And folks... We can do our best to reach other people from this place, but it's always going to be hard work. You know, trying to tell them that he's good news when we're living down here. (laughs) They can see it. It's a lot of effort. But when we choose to live up here, in the context of what he's won for us, then he does the work. And we get to join in. I'm going to pray. And then we're going to, I think, kind of share communion and worship and um, do all that stuff together. Um, Let me pray. I'm just going to pray a simple prayer because this is the message. (laughs) Um, Father God, thank you so much for sending your son, Jesus, And as we've gone through Holy Week and Good Friday, we know of the horrors of what Jesus went through for us. And on that night with his friends, he took bread and he said, this is my body and it's broken for you. And he took a cup and he said, this is no longer just the Passover cup. This is my blood poured out for you. What must those words have done to them that following day? As they saw his body broken and his blood literally poured out. But what must it have been like for their heads, their brains, their bodies to get round what on earth he'd done on Sunday morning? as they realized he had broken through 
death could not hold him. The veil had been torn in two. And so as we remember in bread and wine this evening, come and pour out your Holy Spirit upon us in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Um, I think we're going to worship some more. And can I invite you to simply come up with uh, the folks that are around you and to give one another communion here, right up at the table. You're allowed to touch the table. It's okay. Um, And uh, give each other communion. Uh, Make sure that no one is taking communion themselves, but um, just give each other communion. But come right up here and do it so that we're doing it in the context of the rubble of the wasteland that he's made of those things knowing that he has the victory he became sin who knew no sin